0: Children may head off to Camp Pointway. If you are age 12 and under, you are welcome to go back. I know they've prepared a lesson for you folks this, this morning, so go back there and have some fun. And Sometimes they even get snacks back there. I don't give you guys snacks. You don't, you don't get those. My resolution for 2021, Yeah. We're missing a big section here in the front. I don't know what happened. You guys kind of all went to the side. and I mean, I took a shower this morning and everything, and, but there's, there's a hole here. COVID. COVID. Yeah, it is COVID. Well, and, and the truth be known, there are a lot of folks that are out sick. As uh, yesterday was going through, actually Friday and Saturday, I kept getting message after message after message that this person wasn't quite feeling good. They had a cold. They had a sniffle. And again, because of COVID, they're like, well... Just to be safe, we're going to stay out. And understandably, um, but it's hard sometimes when you hear all those messages come in and and you're saying, oh, well, this person's not going to be here, this family's not going to be here, and all of a sudden you have a a big gap. But you know what? You guys are here, and I'm thankful for that. And so we're going to look at a a couple of things this morning. Um, It's a little bit of a different message. I'm going to tell you that right up front. Not that I don't give different messages, because some of you know that already. But it's actually, it's two sermons that I did a while back, and I have actually brought them together. Um, and again, I'm not going to do a full two sermons, don't worry. I'm not, we're not going to be here until, until one o'clock, I promise you that. But as I've been out in the, the street this week in different groups and talking with folks, I've noticed two things this week. People are either discouraged or they're worried, right? Now, am I the only one, or is that something you guys found as well? Two things that... Yeah, there's some frustration there too, but again, that leads to discouragement. But those are the two things that I've seen over and over again. Almost not everyone I talk to, but a lot of people I talk to, they're either worried about the future or they're discouraged about where where things are at right now. And you know what? I'm going to say it. It's okay to get discouraged sometimes. It's okay to be anxious and to worry about things sometimes. But... It's not okay to stay there. That's the key. <clears throat> one of the things that concerns me is I hear people call and say, hey, I've got this wrong with me, right? You know, I'm discouraged right now. So you have to accept me. All right, I can accept you there, but I don't want you to stay there. And see, that's the difference is it's one thing to accept someone that they're struggling at that moment or they're, they're worried about something, but it's not okay to stay there. And there's some many great Lessons that we have in the Bible. There are many great people that God's used that got discouraged or that they worried. But every time, every time that I found scripture, maybe there's an exception somewhere I don't know about, God didn't leave them there. He encouraged them to move out of that, He gave them instruction. And so we're going to look at that a little bit this morning. And again, I say it's a different sermon in many ways because we're going to start in the Old Testament, we're going to end up in the New. But I'm going to skip some things in between, just so you know. So 1 Kings chapter 19. Man, Brandon, you're good. He's the one-man show back there, because even some of our sound guys are sick today as well, or traveling. So I'm not sure if you know this in, in 1 Kings. probably been a while since you looked at it. But Kings is a time in Israel's history where things are not going well. Right? The nation of Israel has gotten far, far away from God probably as far as they can get. And God uses prophets during these times to help them. And God, in 1 Kings 19, sends one of, I think, personally, it's one of my favorite prophets, Elijah. Right? He's going to send Elijah there to help the people of Israel to hopefully turn back. Now, if you know your Bible at all, chapter 18 is a great Carmel Mountain experience, right? Great victory. I don't know if you've read it or not. It's a battle of all battles. It's even bigger, Joe, than Cleveland playing today, Pittsburgh. It's a bigger battle than that. Right? Huh? Bigger than that. Yes. Joe had his browns on. My, my Patriots aren't in this year, so I can cheer for the underdogs. I'll cheer for the Browns this year. Yeah. But the Mount Carmel experience is one of those where God shows up in mighty and force. Right? He shows up Elijah has this on and off again with false prophets, and God shows up, burns up the altar. There's a great victory won. High point. Probably the highest point of Elijah's ministry. It looks like they're going to turn around. Things look really good. But there's an evil king and an evil queen that are not turned yet. Their hearts have not turned. They're not looking to lead the nation of Israel back to God. And so that's where we're kind of picking up the story. And again, we're going from the high point and we're going to see where Elijah goes to a very low point. And so that's where we are this morning. That's a little bit of background for this passage. So verse 19, uh, chapter 19, verse 1, it says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. said, bad king, bad queen. And really, if you look at the story, Jezebel kind of runs the show. She's she's the one that led uh, King Ahab away. But Jezebel is evil. And again, she's not happy what just took place. Her, Her prophets, her false prophets, are the ones that got killed. And so when she receives this news, she basically puts a bounty out on Elijah. That's what that means, and, she, and she's committing all her forces. She's committing everything she has to make sure that they kill God's prophet. So, get a little bit of element of fear there, right? Elijah knows this. He knows what's coming. Word gets out, and we see that in the next verse. As Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that, I might, that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And he laid down under the tree and fell asleep. All right, so he's afraid for his life. He doesn't know the future. He, he's, he's had enough. Now, I'm not, not a, the, the wisest person as far as preparing, but I'm pretty sure if you go out into a desert and you leave everything behind, no water, no food, that's probably not a good plan. No, right? And he leaves his servant, right? He has this, this person that helps him, this servant who walks beside him, gives him keeps him company, he leaves him. So a couple of things that we learn, right? It's kind of the path we'll see here, the spiral. But he's not preparing for the future. He's just living in the moment. He's afraid. He's isolating, leaving himself alone, and he's highly discouraged, right? In fact, he's so discouraged that he's saying, God, just take me now. I'm done. I'm fried. I'm cooked. I'm done. Just leave me to die. That's us. Yeah, we get that way sometimes, right? We do. We get discouraged. We get to the end of our rope. It's like, this is it. We're done, in fact, even says, "I'm no better than my ancestors." All right. Again, it's been a, a cycle that's continued to repeat. The nation of Israel just continues to spiral further and further away from God. So, do you think God leaves him there? I don't ask rhetorical questions. Come on. Did, did you think God leaves him there? No. All right, good. Just making sure you're still with me. I, I don't want to lose you here this morning. All right. All at once, an angel touched him and said get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water that he ate and drank and then lay down again. Kind of interesting, right? God provides food. God provides water. And what's he do? He lays back down again. Did the food and water solve his problem? No. Oh, Elijah's still discouraged. He's still at the end. Nothing's changed. Even though he has food and water, all right, that sustains him. In fact, you could almost say he he might have even gotten more discouraged, longer. It's like, here, I've gone out here to die, and now, you know, God's providing thing that's going to keep me alive a little bit longer. But he's depressed, so he falls asleep. He goes back to sleep. Again, that could be another sign of discouragement or depression, right? Sleeping too much or not sleeping enough not a psychologist, but I've read enough to know that those are some of the signs of depression. And certainly Elijah is displaying some of that. So he lays back down again. It says, The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Holborn, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. So all's not lost, right? God sends another angel, right? The first one wasn't enough. He sends another one. Again, supplies him some food and gives him instruction. Right? He needs to go to this mountain. Now, it's a long distance. This is a pretty good trip. This is not just a a short walk to the to the other side of the, the tree. It's it's a long ways away to this mountain. And it's going to take him a while. But even in his depression, even in his discouragement, Elijah's obedient, right? That may be a key. You may hear that again about being obedient, right? Sometimes when we don't feel like it, we still need to be obedient. You can say amen at that because that's, that's, that's a reminder, right? Yeah, it's a reminder, right? Whether we feel like it or not, we still need to be obedient to what God says, what God calls, what he instructs us to do. And so at least Elijah's got that going for him. He's being obedient. He's going to it. I don't know that he's going with the right purpose or the right heart yet, or he's not out of his depression yet. In fact, from the story, we could probably say that he's not. But he is obedient. He does listen. He does do what God's told him to do. Remember, this is one of God's servants. One, he's seen miracles. He's done things through God that nobody's ever done, but he's at the end of his rope. Next verse, it says, And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? I always thought that was a weird question, right? God sent him, God told him where to go, and then he asked, What are you doing here? Kind of pulls him up short. It's a weird question in a way, but God wants to know where Elijah's at. He's, he's, He's getting him thinking. He's getting him going again. But it is an odd question. But listen to Elijah's reply. He says, I've been very zealous for the Lord, God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altar, and, now, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. At first glance, you say Elijah's having a pity party, right? Things have spiraled on him, things are monumental. The whole nation, the nation he belongs to, is spiraling out of control. Sound familiar? We think the same thing sometimes, right? And there's discouragement, right? They've they've, they've killed prophets, Lord, and I'm the only one left. I'm the only one that's doing what's right. The old adage that I, when you start using a lot of I statements, I is always in the middle of sin. I don't know if you've ever heard that one before, but it tends to work, doesn't it? Yes, guilty, right? And so Elijah's at that point. Again, he's not encouraged. You can see You can see in his reply, and I think that's why God does ask him that question because it reveals his heart. I'm the only one left, and they're trying to kill me too. There's no hope, right? He's at the end. There's there's nothing. He's complaining to God. It's okay, but God's not going to leave him there the Lord says to him, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Ooh, It's pretty cool, right? God's telling Elijah, hey, I'm going to show you who I am, right? I'm going to come. I'm going to be with you. You're not alone, right? I don't think Elijah's got that yet, but he's like, hey, you're special. I'm going to come out and show yourself just, you're the only one that's going to be able to see this. So Elijah goes out, and it says, Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains, they tore them apart, and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, He pulled his cloak over his head, over his face, and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. All right? So God tells him, hey, I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up in a mighty and You're going to see me, right? I'm going to let you see me. And Elijah is looking for the big wow, right? And certainly, there's this this wind. He's showing his, his greatness, his force, his ability to control nature but he's not in the wind. He's not in the earthquake, and he's not in the fire. How does he speak to Elijah? What? Whisper, right, a gentle whisper, right? It says gentle, because it had tenderness in it. Now, we don't know exactly what the Lord said, but he probably just said, hey, Elijah, I'm here, right? We can surmise that. But it came in a gentle whisper. Just as an aside, don't we sometimes fall into that same trap? We say, hey, God, show me what you want me to do next. And we look for the, the big, right? We look for the, the, the neon sign, the flashing red lights. But a lot of times it's that little spirit inside of us, that little nudging, that we get that little whisper. It says, God, This is what I want you to do. Go call that person. Go see this, this one hey, you need to share the good news. You need to encourage this brother over here. But it doesn't come in the big flash. It comes in the small and the gentle whisper. What's one of the other things about a gentle whisper? Sometimes isn't it hard to hear a gentle whisper, right? We have so much going on and we get so busy. It's hard to hear that little voice. You know, we've been focusing on prayer, and it's one of those, those things that always... Prayer is a, a double edge for me, right? I know I'm supposed to pray, and I, and I do pray, but a lot of times my prayers are one-way him. Do you ever fall in that trap, one-way prayers? Tell God what I want to do or tell him what I'd like him to do, but I don't stop and listen. It's, always a down, it's, a, it's a listening part, and to quiet myself and to really empty my, my head. Guys, not go to the nothing box, but actually go to the listen box. There's two separate boxes. Neither one are near the fishing box. Don't worry, because they get confused. But isn't it hard sometimes to listen? Now, the only way you're going to hear that gentle voice is if you are truly listening. And I think that's it's apt for what we're, as we're working through the 40 days of prayer, listen to what God has to say. And it may take a little more time. You say, well, I, I've got five minutes to pray. I'm doing my devotional. You know, I, I'll commit five minutes. Well, I would challenge you, maybe take two and a half minutes to pray and take the other two and a half just to listen. Just to sit still and be quiet and listen. Take me up on it. It's actually pretty hard to do. It really is. I've challenged myself many times, and it is hard to take the same amount of time that you pray and to take the same amount of time to listen and keep your head on straight and to be able to actually hear. But it's some of the sweetest times that you can have in prayer. And God will use that. He will bless that. He will speak to you quite often in those few minutes if you're listening. All right, back to Elijah. Back to the story here a little bit. And the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Sounds familiar, right? I think I heard that somewhere before. It's asking the same question. Notice his reply here. It says, he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant broken down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. No, I didn't just skip and lose my place in my message. No, it really is in there twice in this, right? And it's in there twice for a reason because it shows that even though all this has happened to Elijah, he's still not there yet, right? He's not seeing clearly. Again, another sign of depression and discouragement, right? We don't often see clearly. And even though there are some good things going on, we don't see them, right? We're we're focused on the wrong things. That can happen to all of us, and Elijah certainly has fallen into that trap. Now, if I'd seen wind breaking rocks and earthquakes and fire, and then God Almighty speaking to me, and I know it's his voice, you would think that might change my perspective a little bit, Right? Elijah's no different than us, right? Nope, doesn't. He's still stuck. But thankfully, with Elijah and with us, God is patient, right? So look what God gives him to do. Like I said, it's okay to be depressed, but don't stay there. Look at verse 19, uh, verse 15. It says, "The Lord said to him, "Go back the way you came, and go to the desert in Damascus. When you get there, anoint hazy. King over Abram, also anoint, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshid, of king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Sethat, from Abel Melak, Not easy to say. To succeed you as a prophet, Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve seven thousand in Israel, all whose knees. Have not bowed down to Baal and all those mouths who have not kissed him. All right, there's a lot in here. There's a lot of things. First, he says, Hey, I want you to go back to where you came. Remember, he, he traveled a long way. What's waiting for him when he goes back? Jezebel, right? The bounty's still out on his head. Nothing's changed there. He still has to face that. And he's actually saying, Go back and anoint the next king. That's dangerous on a couple of counts, right? But one of the things you notice is God is saying, you need to, to go. You need to go do something. Do what I ask you to do. And so he gives him instructions. So that's so one of the keys of getting out of it is to, to force yourself to be obedient to do. That's one of those steps that will help you. It won't, not a guarantee, but it will help you get out of that, that mode of depression, What else does he do here, right? He says there's going to be a battle. There's going to be some things that happen. There's going to be a change in leadership, right? Things are going to happen. Things are going to change for the better, at least temporarily. Look back at history. He also doesn't last very long. It doesn't go according to God's plan. He also talks about ends up being, right? If you know your your Bible at all, Elisha ends up being the protege for Elijah. He actually gives him an opportunity to mentor somebody. He says, hey, go and anoint Elijah. He's going to be the next. He's the next and and up-and-coming prophet. In fact, we know that from the reading of the text that Elijah actually becomes even greater than Elijah. It's the hope of everyone that disciples or mentors, or, or even as parents, right? We always want our kids to do better than us, right? That's... Almost ingrained in us. Certainly don't want them to do worse than us. We want them to do better, right? And we try to help them in every way. And so God's given Elisha, Elijah, someone to mentor, Elisha. The names are close. But wasn't Elijah said he said he was alone, right? He was the only one. No, that's not what it says here, right? God reminds him, He says, Yet I reserve seven in Israel. That's a pretty good ministry, wouldn't you say? 7000 people. We're a little shy of that here this morning, so but 7000. What would that do? Well, you know, Elijah again, he's going from thinking he's all alone, now he's been given some instruction. Now he finds out, hey, you know what? I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. Guess what? There are 7000 out there. That's a pretty good start for a ministry. And again, Elijah does come out of it. He does take this on, and he does become the mentor, the leader that God wanted him to be up until his death. Now, I'm going to let you read on, because there's a lot more that I'm skipping out here, but there's, there's a lot more to that story. And if you haven't read these stories in a while, I'd encourage you to do that this week in your, your study, because... God does some amazing miracles and some things that are just incredible um, during that time. But I'm going to jump on you. We're going to jump all the way over to Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. You say, Charlie, why in the world are you jumping that far out in advance? Because I want to address the other aspect of this. And the two are related in some ways. But again, the worry part. I'm worried about right? Piece of advice. If someone tells you I'm worried about something, don't just tell them "Don't worry." Been there, done that. It doesn't help, right? That's not helpful. There are other things that we can do to help that person that's worrying or being anxious. The NIV uses "anxious," but it's really the same word. Sometimes, even as Christians, we tend to, to dress it up. We don't, you know. I've heard all the, the terms, right? Oh, I'm concerned. I'm not worried. I'm concerned. Or, you know, I'm anxious, I'm, you know, I'm keyed up. No, it's, it's the same root, it's it's worry. And so Paul writes to this church in Philippians and he's giving them instruction, even at this point. And, and Paul suffered from discouragement and I'm sure he even had some worries. Like I said, it's okay. It's okay to be that way, it's not okay to stay that way. And so he starts out and... Verse 4, in chapter 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always, I say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. James, because that's how i thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I almost slipped there. I almost went back to King James, because that's how I memorized that verse way back as a kid. But rejoice, rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah, it was one of our prayer focuses for this week as we were doing the 40 days of prayer, right? Praise God for who he is, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. That's not easy to do. That's not easy to do when you're depressed. It's not easy when you're worried. It's not easy just on a daily basis. But Paul said, hey, take time to thank God for just who he is. Take time to thank God for his faithfulness. Take time to thank God for... All that he has given us. Again, it's glass half full, glass half empty, but really we should be looking to the Lord as it's always full. There's no halves with him. Interestingly, the next verse says, Let your gentleness be evident to all, right? Like I said, if someone says they're worried or they're anxious, if I just say, Hey, suck it up, you know, don't be worried. Don't worry, right? There used to be a song that said that. Don't worry, be happy doesn't work well. doesn't go over well. People don't receive that well. You need to be gentle. It says your gentleness should be evident to all, right? That's being kind, being compassionate. Gentleness. You can be firm and gentle, but you still need to be gentle. Again, and gentle doesn't mean absence of letting them stay there, but gentle in how you treat them, how you bring them along, how you help them get out of that, that moment. And then there's a command, right? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You can see why I chose this text, right? What have we been saying, right? Prayer. Prayer is the key. Prayer needs to be the first thing that we go to. We're worried, we need to pray. used to be a, a bumper sticker that says, why worry when you can pray? But it's true, right? We need to pray. Pray first. You'll be amazed at how God will bring things. He'll, he he knows what you need. Now, same thing. When that friend that says they're worrying, saying they're anxious about something, it may seem obvious, but that's a great time to grab their hand or right then and there and pray for them. I'm working on that in my own life. And one of my resolutions, Joe, and I know sometimes they don't make it till February, but one of my revo- re- resolutions is, spiritual, revo- yeah, resolution, I'm trying to say it, I won't say revelation, but revolution is to pray with that person right on the spot. Because you know what, if they, rather than say, I'll pray for you, stopping right there and praying right then and now. Because you know what, if the request is right there and now and I know about it, why not do it right then? Because you know what, if I don't, I have the chance that I may forget or I get busy, or I just give it a a quick prayer. But wouldn't it be much more beneficial to that person if I stop right then and there? Hey, let's pray together, all right? I know you've got an appointment coming up that you're worried about. I know you've got a doctor's visit this week. Let's pray right now. There's power in that. There's encouragement in that. And so I I think we should do that right then and there. And again, it says, bring your petition with thanksgiving. Thanking God already that he already knows the situation and he's going to answer it. Do you know that? That God always answers our prayers? Always. He answers them in three ways. Rick Warren used to say four, but I'm not, not big on the fourth one, but three ways. Yes, no, and wait. Right? I'm a kind of a short guy. I like yes and no. Yes and no are pretty good. Wait, wait's a hard one. Be patient and wait. Wait on that answer. That, that's tough for me. I like yes and no answers. I can even deal with it. Even if it's a no I don't want, no is easy. But wait? That's a struggle. But that's sometimes God's answer. Is um, Rick Warren, I'm picking on Rick Warren this morning. Uh, Rick Warren's fourth one is, I can't believe you're asking me. That's what God says. I can't believe you're even asking me that. But I don't think it, it's really, because God knows us. He knows we ask for stupid things sometimes. But ask with thanksgiving. Present your Ask with the anticipation that God's going to answer it, and God's going to answer it for our best. Even if it's a no, even if it's yes, even if it's a wait. The timing's not right. And there's more. Paul gives us more in this. He says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Again, one of those verses I've got underlined, highlighted, because I need that second part of it, right? I can do the prayer and the petition. I might, might get that far, and I even mean thank him for God, how he's going to answer it, but I don't have peace yet. And Paul puts it in there, and from God's word, that it's a guarantee. There's going to be a peace that comes over you, peace that's not easily understood. Man, it's one of the greatest things that we have as believers in our testimony is, is how we live at peace in the midst of calamity, right? I've been asked that question probably more than I've other questions. Like, Pastor, how, how are you staying so calm with all this going around, right? Again, higher purpose, higher mission. God is in control and, and, and resting in that. But God will give you that peace. He will allow you to have that peace in your heart you can, you can weather the storm. You can handle what's going around you. You can walk through that with confidence. God's got a bigger plan here. And so, that peace that passes all understanding is what we need. And then he throws an ad on here, but again, it's a, it's a help as you're coming out of that. Again, he, Paul's looking at the progression and he's saying, All right, here's how we're working our way out of that. And so, after I've done those things, I've prayed and I've gotten peace push those things away, he's saying, now brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. All right? So he's saying, All right, you've prayed, you've got peace, now think about those things that are solid. Think about those things that are true. Think about those things that are right. right? Sometimes our heart can be in the right place, but our head's not there yet. My mouth, quite often our heads lag behind, all right? And behind our heads is our mouth. My mouth, I know, was always running behind sometimes. Sometimes it runs ahead, and that's another whole problem. But he's saying, think about these things. Think about these things that are good. Again, it's not a, a mind switch, but it's a, we need those reminders. right? God's been faithful all along. Elijah needed that reminder that he wasn't alone. right? There were 7,000. God also reminded him, hey, I'm not done with you yet. I've got work for you to do. I need you to help this young man become a prophet. I also need you to anoint these kings because I've got a plan that's coming up ahead. And Paul's saying the same thing. I've got things left here, and so you need to get your heart and your mind in sync. And so we need to think on these things. And then lastly, I used to think Paul was being kind of proud here, but it's not. It says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me, put them into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And that's not what Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, if you see something good, you see someone else doing the right thing, Put it into practice. Sometimes I need to be challenged, right? I need someone else to kind of kick me a little bit, to move me forward. I won't do it on my own. I think, ah, I've got this down, right? I'm reading through the Bible, or I'm studying, I'm doing a certain amount, but I need someone to push me a little bit. And Paul is saying that. He's kind of saying, hey, if you see some of these things in me, Go ahead. Take on the same challenge, right? Now, Paul's certainly a great example. In fact, when I look at Paul's life and his ministry, I'm like, oof, woe is me, not there." But why not? Why not do some of the same things? Why not challenge ourselves to go a little bit beyond that? So Paul's saying, hey, if you see some of these things, you see someone else doing something that you want to do or you know you should do, go for it. Follow my example. Put it into practice. And then finally, he wraps this up and he says, Hey, peace be with you. This morning, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know if if you're in that depression or discouragement. I don't know if you're worried about something. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're saying, Hey, Pastor Charlie, I'm in great shape this morning. I'm not depressed, I'm in good, good spirits, I'm not worried, but I know someone who is. And I want to challenge you this morning that you go and find that person and pray with them. You know what? Encourage them and help them, right? Because you know what? They're, if you're not there this morning, there may be a time that you are. And you're going to need someone to come and step into your life and say, hey, you're not alone, I see where you're at. God's led me to you. I want to help you so that you're not stuck. And so those are the two things. And if you are discouraged this morning, go back and read through those scriptures. See how faithful God's been over and over and over again. Listen for that gentle voice. I know he wants to speak to you. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, Father, Uh, there is so much to be thankful for. Lord, I thank you for your word that does encourage us as believers, encourage us in our walk, Lord. Lord, that you don't leave us where we're at. Lord, help us to be sensitive to your leading. Help us to hear that gentle whisper, Lord, that we not lose sight of you in the midst of everything that's going on. Lord, help us not to be anxious when things come up, Lord, that are out of our control, as we know you are in control. And, Lord, help us to be sensitive to those around us, that we would be gentle and loving to those who are struggling. Lord, again, I thank you for this morning and our time together in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand with us in worship. Let's put that faith into practice and confess with our mouths the identity that God has given us.